Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Sarah McDilling. I'm joined today by fellow Booktopian Shanu Prasad, and we are both ridiculously excited to be talking today to best-selling author of the Nevermore series, Jessica Townsend. Hey, Jessica. Hello. Hello. I'm also ridiculously excited. Nice to see you. <laughs> <laughs> now, Holopox. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I, for the people <laughs> listening, could you just do your pitch about Holopox and then we will dive into two, uh, further discussion? Yeah, my, my elevator pitch. Um, let me see. This is, once again, I in no way prepared an elevator pitch. This happens with every single book. <laughs> and this is the first time I'm talking about it out loud, so let's go. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Holopox uh, kicks off with Morrigan at kind of the end of her first year and on the cusp of beginning her second year at the Wondrous Society. Um, and it's things are kind of better than ever for her, so she's um, about to learn more about, you know, kind of her own abilities and more about her place in the Wonder Society and she's got this really good group of friends, Unit 919, who are kind of closer than ever. Um, and then <laughs> the unthinkable happens and a very deadly disease uh, kind of descends on Nevermore and it's targeting animals who are, you know, sentient, intelligent um, uh, animals uh, and turning them into kind of mindless, vicious animals on the hunt. And Morrigan... Um, she kind of figures out that it's going to be up to her or it could be up to her to find a cure for it, but that is going to put her and her friends and everyone in Nevermore in lots of danger. I don't think I did that very well. I do this every time. I'm like, make it up as well. I'm like, oh, man, that was bad. I'm going to have to work on that for next day. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very well done. And then um, <laughs> for people listening, this book was announced well, well, well in advance of <laughs> anything that, that is currently going on um, on the planet. So I just wanted to ask, like, how strange is it for you to have written this book at this time, just considering all the uncanny similarities between the general plot of Hollow Pots and the general plot of, like, Earth in 2020? <laughs> I feel like we've gone way off plot in Earth. I'm even on Earth anymore. <laughs> Um, I, what I thought you were about to say is this book was announced ages ago and then it kept being put off. I was like, oh, well, I'm bring that up. <laughs> I just thought that was because you were waiting for the world to that's go off kilter. That's all right. So that's, just, that's called <laughs> wetting the appetite of the fan. <laughs> Um, it's in all honesty, it's weird, and it was definitely a conversation in the beginning when all of this happened at the beginning of the year when. At first, you know, like that kind of creeping sensation of this is all becoming part of our, you know, it's getting into the the public consciousness or whatever. And then it was right at the front of everything, every conversation that we're all having, um, you know, COVID-19, obviously. I, I remember have, bringing it up with my publisher and being like, is this a problem? Am I, are we going to have to pull this book? Um, I did worry about it because I thought I, I never want to do anything that's going to be insensitive. I never want to upset anyone and that could potentially be a very upsetting thing to to write a children's book about but honestly this is in no way and you know of course my other concern was are people going to think that this is like I'm trying to profit off of COVID-19 <laughs> like I, I, yeah. this is some kind of reaction and and it's really not I mean honestly the plot for this book was decided before I'd finished writing the first book it's been mm. it works for so long um it's very strange. The stranger thing was that the way that certain 
even just little things, just certain little moments in the book reflected things that have happened in the last six months. Um, That was really unnerving. And once again, I was like, oh, my gosh, people are going to think that I've dropped this into the plot as a comment on and it's you know I don't know I don't know how to feel about it still I but I think you know my publisher I was worried about it my publisher was never worried about it because you know my editor that I spoke to um Ruth I remember her saying like it's fine like it's this is you you haven't written it in any kind of sensationalized way and you know it's I think it's handled sensitively and it's not it's not any kind of direct you know comment on anything so it'll be okay I don't know if they had concerns behind the scenes that they weren't telling me about (laughs) I've got no idea but you know everyone at my publisher was was always like well you know it is what it is it's fine we'll crack on (laughs) like I can't imagine anyone having concerns I it just seems really like on point like by accident perhaps but still like yeah you haven't we books that have come out where they've been written well before um you know any of this sort of started and then you know you just can't believe the parallels and it's it's a bit it's a bit spooky but um but at the same time I think there's enough there's enough like you definitely see some parallels but it's not at all like when I read it I didn't at all feel like um it was you know, that you were doing any of those things, which you obviously yeah, weren't, but it didn't feel like that either. It felt just like a, you know, a story that was like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this is like something similar to what's happening in the world. Thank yeah. you. I'm, I'm relieved about that. That's good. That's good to know. A hundred percent. It just, it's a cracking good story that just hits home in ways that um, it may not have quite the same way before COVID. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's the interesting thing is that even for me, when I was rereading it, like in in the the edits in the last few months, I things struck me in a way that, like, I don't know, I just sort of i I sort of kind of felt things a little bit more keenly um, than I did even when I wrote them the first time. And there are a couple, of, <laughs> there were a couple of places actually where, um, like, there was there was one at one point in the book. I remember just reading it and being like. Why haven't they shut the schools? Like, <laughs> I'm angry at the way it was being handled. I'm like, why hasn't this happened? And it's all just because, yeah, now I have an understanding of what that would actually be like in that situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do remember getting quite mad at the way that Nevermore, at the, at the way that the Nevermoreian government was, <laughs> was handling things at one point. <laughs> that part of the book is so good, though. Like, I love, I love. I loved the ways in this book, let's see if I can phrase this without too many half sentences and run on points. Um, <laughs> I loved the ways that Morrigan, um, she has like an emotional response to something, in, like like how the government is handling things or how they should, you know, help the people who um, are suffering from polypox. And her emotional reaction is questioned by the characters around her and then she like sort of has her worldview grown and shifted a little bit through through this book I thought that was done incredibly well um thank you yeah, yeah. I so oh sorry I'll let you finish no, 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 no. <laughs> you finish okay <laughs> it's having the video is the, the having the video and the audio I'm never quite wait can I jump there uh, <laughs> um, yeah that was I, and I to be honest with you like I feel like 
that part of it definitely you know in the in the final kind of final edit when I mean everything was written before everything happened but when I was sort of editing in those final days we were in the midst of it and so I felt like I had more of a perspective myself excuse me I felt like I'd um I'd had those shifting moments in my own point of view and my own kind of shifting of understanding and just the fact that you know it is that there is so much complexity around what we're living through at the moment and trying to have some kind of flavor of that in the book without obviously wanting to bog it down in complexities and 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 politics and and everything that we are living through um I was I I guess maybe there was like an, an element of making that kind of feel more real making it feel realer to Morrigan and and I and also like on a grant on a on a more kind of macro level like I never want Morrigan to feel static in her beliefs like that's the whole point of having a protagonist really like that's the entire point of why, why am I even writing a series if I want her to, to stagnate exactly like I yeah yeah and I and I want her to be constantly questioning her own feelings about things and the feelings of other people and the opinions of other people and yeah and I think there are a couple of key moments in that um and without no I'm not going to say it because that is definitely a spoiler if I said that one but <laughs> you know where she kind of does look back and question and say well hang on who's on the right side here and sort of comes to the conclusion that there's not particularly a right side to this it's just we have to kind of do our best for for people you know yeah that was a really bad that was a really bad answer you can tell this is the first interview I've done in a while (laughs) (laughs) you know like she tries to come at things from like a human uh, on a human way like she and that's that's kind of what I love about Morrigan anyway is that she kind of comes to the conclusion at some point that you know the the best thing to do is the kindest thing to do. The best thing to do is is being good to other people. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I know what I mean in my head. So I'm just... no, no, no. I, 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 <laughs> I, I understand what you mean because that's the one thing that, and that's what I find about when I read your series that I find very different to a lot of other sort of series that are, you know, that the protagonist may be around the sort of the same age. Is that it is, you know, because obviously, you know, it is very much. Um, the complexity is really important because, um, you know, you want to see, um, and not just the complexity of Morrigan's character, but also the complexity of the characters around her. And I think that's what's so brilliant is that it really doesn't have, even the villains, you know, mm. the villains aren't like cartoons. They're they're like really, they are three-dimensional. Um, the, you know, the good guys also, are they really good? Are they not good? There's There's dimensions to them, which makes it so much more realistic in a fantasy world which I think is fantastic to have um, for kids where it's not so black and white, um, but also not scary for kids. Like they can sort of, as they're growing and exploring kind of what their views are, they can also see someone else doing the same thing. So um, I, I think I think that's great. And I think that's one of the things that makes us like can't wait for the next book to see what the characters are going to do and how they're going to tackle the next situations. It's not just what the situation is. Like the situation is one thing, but it's their reactions to the situation that make that really make the, the 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 whole world of Nevermore feel feel like you know once you one while you're in that world you are in that world and you don't want to come out of it even <laughs> if bad things are happening in it at the time. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that like Morgan's a really useful vessel in that way in that she has the kind of a larger um, understanding than a kid her age would have, which 
you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to, I never wanted to kind of get Dawson's Creek about it where you watch these characters and you're like, there's no way they're 15. Yeah. <laughs> but having said that, you know, Morgan as a, kid, as a child, she grew up, she didn't have kids her own age around. She grew up surrounded by adults. And I have known children who have been pretty much surrounded by adults all their lives and they tend to have a, a very different way of looking at the world and, and do cotton on to other, like, complexity in other people and and just have more of a kind of understanding of those kinds of shades of gray that that the adults around them can have like I think Morrigan's understanding and observation of adults comes directly from that kind of that upbringing and I think you know that's just useful for me of like of course that's a good device as a writer because it's like well I want the reader to have that experience I want you know so if she was surrounded only by children and had a very childlike perspective it would be difficult to layer that in in some ways yeah for sure <clears throat> I was just going to mention about the things that uh appeal to the the childlike uh the childlike wonder parts of um of uh the Nevermore world um and uh Hotel de Collian oh probably not saying that right um <laughs> is, is it feels like it's even a stronger character which sounds crazy to say about a building but um <laughs> in in this book in then in the previous books and I just there's just something I just love just picturing in my mind what this what this place looks like is that like a really fun part of the book to write one of the funnest yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things all the without again without wanting to kind of give too much away of what happens in this with the yeah. with the Jekyllian like it this book particularly like I loved writing that developing relationship really between Morrigan and the Jekyllian because that's what it is weirdly it's it's this there is like a character relationship between the two of them and um yeah it's fun it's a fun thing to play with and I know where that is sort of headed and I know how that will kind of grow and, and develop as the series goes on and that's one thing I am really excited to write about oh, oh what a teaser now I'm <laughs> I thought that Jekyllian had an amazing book, actually, because right? there was so many, you know, tiptoeing again, I don't want to be spoilery, but can, things about Morgan's bedroom and stuff that just had me laughing <laughs> so much. Um, and, in fact, that leads me to something I wanted to ask you. You've got so much, like, enchanting, fun detail in this world that makes it such a, a great place to be. Like, I'm thinking about stuff like that with the Jekyllian stuff with the gob which like that whole all of the detail like not just the fun act but like the action that goes down in that scene but the detail around the place and um the Christmas battle and like all of these things yeah Yeah. like (laughs) it's detail that fleshes out the world that and that and it's sort of the way that you balance those fun details with moving the plot forward it always feels like just spot on but I wondered how hard is it for you to balance that because like couldn't you just keep thinking up fun amazing details indefinitely and the story would never go anywhere like how do you there's yeah there's always a worry frankly that I'll just go no this one's just going to be about things um (laughs) I'd probably be fine with that which I would also be probably yes yes (laughs) Um, maybe yeah, book 3.5 I mean, is just all the things <laughs> before yeah. we get to the, yeah. the plot <laughs> I just want charming world building forget about yeah. the plot 
Oh, I'd love to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's obviously like that's one of the things I love the most. Like, it, it's it's obvious that I enjoy that and and you know put a lot of love into those parts of it. I think the good thing is is that I. I am planning it to be planning for the series to be nine books. So I do feel like I have a lot of sandpit to play in. Um, And, and I, you know, there are, there are lots of places in Nevermore and in the greater world around Nevermore that I'm really, you know, I am holding off on, you know, and I, and I would like to just kind of, Oh, I really want to write about this now, but it's like, no, I think this is going to have more impact you know, circa book five or six or whatever. Um, so it's definitely, it's, yeah, you got to have like a delicate balance of making sure. And, and, and you know what, that's also, that problem is only going to grow as, as the book goes on. <laughs> you know, I even with the, the planning of book four at the moment, I, I, you know, there are so many things I'm like, oh, but I have to remember to include this and this and this. And there are so many more th- threads that I have to tie up, which, you know, I am tying up, obviously, like I've, I've, I've laid those threads out for a reason, but you kind of don't almost don't realize until you get to, you know, the end of book three, where you're actually, these are a lot of threads. This is (laughs) (laughs) a garment. Um, But it's going to be a fancy braid instead of a plait (laughs) to finish it off. Uh, Um, I wanted to. I kind of want to ask things that are spoilery, but I don't. I, we 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 will do a spoiler zone, right? Like towards the end of this. Yeah. Yes. I think um, we can talk about some other less spoilery things first, right? Like, um, right. we can. It's not a spoiler to say that you do find out because um, you find out quite early in the book, but you find out that um, you know there's more to the school, and there's more to the purpose of the yeah. kids being there and like 13 is pretty young I would think to find out that you've got I mean I guess not in a fantasy world but like to find out that you've got this this purpose for the rest of your life is pretty much already decided that you didn't know you were deciding when you uh, went into the society you know when you applied for the society yeah so, and I and I, I I'm I don't want people to think that I think that's a good thing <laughs> no, no, no. no 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 and I think that's really great that you've got this cast. I think it's this yeah. This is, this is basically how schools should be run. Um, no, you've got, that's why it's great that you've got that Rogan has all these friends now where they can all have different opinions about whether this is a good or a bad thing and how they feel about it. So you can express that, yeah, you know, well, friends exactly. of opinion. It, you know, there is something, and I'm going to try and phrase it in a way that's not too spoilery, but... Th- well, just in general, the Wonder Society, and I'm trying not to give anything away for future books either, but, like, there is something really quite sinister about it it's, oh yeah yeah you know it's it's I don't think this is kind of the traditional quote-unquote magic school book where you know you go and everything's wonderful and it's la 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 whatever yeah, but it's um, just one bad teacher or something this is like the whole the whole point of the Wonder society is kind of really you know yeah and and it's you know and I guess the the thing that you that you learn about the what the wonder society does it's it could almost be taken as oh but you know so there's a reason behind why they're so um privileged and elite and you know and it's kind of balances out but I don't think it balances out I don't on like on balance I don't think it's necessarily a good organization but having said that it doesn't mean that it's some evil you know it's not like down the track it's going to be this is an, an an evil school for evils. Like it's, yes. <laughs> it's not alias. <laughs> but it's complicated. And I and that's every organization I've ever been a part of in my real life. You know, yeah. like every every place that you go, every school, every workplace, every whatever, 
has, you know, even if fundamentally it's uh, like a, you know, dangerous, sinister, treacherous kind of thing, like there are good people and there are good people with good intentions and then there are bad people with bad intentions. And, you know, I think only when you kind of zoom out and look at what the wondrous society is on balance would you kind of say, actually, maybe not that great. <laughs> it's kind of I, I feel like uh the one of your new characters that we get introduced to um holiday um is kind of a good example of of that kind of hmm you know is she you know what are, what, what are the motives here <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, um, holiday in particular is one that I one who I love just because she is so good at her job I'm not going to talk about her job but she's no. so good at her job and she was like a joy to write because she was, she is not someone who has any kind of personal stake in Morgan's well-being, education, yeah. future, anything like that. She's not, but she, but she doesn't have a personal stake in it either way. Like she is kind of a very neutral character, but she's just someone who doesn't take any prisoners and is very, very good at her job. And I know people like that. Like she yeah. is. She's not based on any one particular person I know, but I have friends like that who I... <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to, you want to get them on, on their wrong side <laughs> to stay friends with those people. She's not going to put up with any nonsense. She's here to do her job and she's here to do it really well. And I just yep. think I just wanted a character who that was that, that's what she's about. <laughs> I really enjoyed her. I thought she was great. And I'm going to name another new character and, Jess, you can decide what, if anything you want to say about her in this non-spoilery section of the podcast but I'll just say her name Rook <laughs> <laughs> um well I can't say anything in the non-spoilery section of the podcast. <laughs> um, but I will say that I Rook was honestly Rook was kind of a surprise to me I was that's not something that I'd planned uh, a lot of things in Hollypox and a lot of things in the future books I've had planned for years and years and years this yep. one just kind of literally came as I was writing it, which doesn't oh, happen very often. And so it's perfect fun when it happens. Um, so I like that I can still, you know, I, I do think that there's something to be said for plotting and a series that's going to be this long kind of needs to be intricately yep. plotted as much as possible. But you do also have to leave room to surprise yourself like that because, you know, then you can hopefully surprise the reader. So I love that Rook is unplanned. <laughs> I really, I'm not even going to pronoun Rook, but <laughs> yeah. um, Rook was a highlight yeah. um, oh, when I was you. reading. Do you know, do you know the, yeah, the character that I've fallen in love with even more than I had before is Frank, Frank the Vampire Dwarf. <laughs> like, even just saying that out loud makes me laugh. I love him so much. I want, like, a Frank Vampire Dwarf doll. Like, <laughs> <laughs> The merch opportunity. When he gets upset about not being able to throw parties and stuff, it was just, oh, and when he has tantrums, they're just uh, oh, like la literally laughing out loud. Um, I'm often at home alone reading books and no one else is there, but my husband was was um, uh, was at home while I was reading this book and he had to go into another room because <laughs> I was being quite vocal with my enjoyment of the book, um, either laughing or being like, oh, don't, don't do that, you know, kind of thing. And, um, and you know, That's at one point, <laughs> yeah, at one point, flatly in tears, but we can talk about that in the, in the uh, spoilery <laughs> section. Um, but, uh, yeah, so um, I just, I just like, please, please write lots more, Frank, because. <laughs> oh, I want lots more everything. I don't think yeah. there's ever been a 
it that much, but I just love him so much that I keep putting him in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think he's, he's just, he, you just need that little bit of levity, especially, you know, when the, when, when the really, you know, scary, not scary, scary, but you know, the, the bad things are happening in the book. Yeah. Um, and just to show, and it's, it's true though, there are people, there are people that are like that right they're like there's all this stuff is happening around and then they're like but I can't do this and you're just like seriously this is what you're worried about we all know um, like that in the world right now like yeah that's what I mean it's like wow surprised us right yeah. <laughs> being like that yep yeah another another of those uh, prescient moments I feel like <laughs> we're gonna have to move to spoilery spoilery section soon right Tara yeah, well, yeah okay well before we go there, I will say, yeah. you know, for all of the fans, we've mentioned some new characters, we've mentioned some side characters, but I think your your core cast that people already know all have s- s- such a good book. Like, I think I laughed more at the Jupiter antics in this one than in the others. <laughs> prime, prime Jupiter antics. There's some amazing uh, Finestra moments. Um <laughs> Morrigan just has such a solid book. There's, you know, so many great moments of friendship with her and um, Hawthorne and Cadence. It's just like I love that you're able to, you know, deliver all of that, which is what you want going into a series that you love. You want to see your favourites and you want them to do the thing that they do and you deliver all of that. But still introduce us to all of this new stuff and um, and manage an intense plot. Like, <laughs> And there's there's growth in like in the in her in Morrigan's like circle of friends as well, right? Like you like different characters sort of come to the fore in this book. Um of the Yes. Oh she was amazing. She was so good. (laughs) And um I'm gonna get her name wrong, but the because this while I was reading the book, I I think I was reading her name not even how yes, spelled. Is that how Jess? Uh, I pronounce it Anna, but Anna, Anna. You want. that's better. That makes more sense <laughs> to me. No, Anna, I like. I'm going to go with that. Um, yeah, like you just wouldn't have thought what happens, like what, you know, how she's involved in this book um, from the previous books would be, you know, would be her character development. So I thought that was like that was like super surprising. And um, I did love writing Anna in this book. I loved writing the the little sort of moments of growth that she's having. It's I, I'm actually I'm really delighted that you have said that about the the different characters having their moments because that is a it was a really hard thing to balance and I it's hard for me to know whether I got it right and I had been worried that maybe I hadn't quite got the balance right but because particularly even just I mean there are so because there's a huge cast of characters but even just with unit 919 like I always want to make sure that I feel like I'm giving them enough page time but without having it feel contrived and I think it would be easy to have it feel contrived and have it feel like oh I've ticked the box I've we've heard from me here you know yep. and I and I and yeah. I'm not interested in making sure that everyone has equal page time in every book and I think that different books will focus more on different characters in particularly in 919 um yep. so and, and you know they, they will hopefully then be these little moments of growth for all of them ongoing, but no, I'm I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Oh yeah, no, I, think, <laughs> yeah. And I think that's great, especially because you, as you said, you're writing this is you you know this is a book in in and of itself, but it's also a book in a series, and you don't want to, as you said, like be trust trying to like shove everyone in there because this is not the end. This is like just I mean, hopefully, no, exactly it's really place. yeah. <laughs> and there's always the temptation of wanting to give like, you know, I hate the term, but like quote unquote fan service of 
you know, because I have people saying to me, oh, make sure that you have more so-and-so in this book. Oh, yeah. Like I just do. <laughs> It's fine. Like I, I <laughs> but it's but it's. I want to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's tempting yeah. to to make sure that I'm ticking all those boxes. But I also have to remember that, like, I have X number of books to go, and like, I just it's. You kind of got to have that feeling of like, no, I can have the confidence to know that I'm going to drop everything in at the right time, and that event, even if people aren't necessarily like, oh, you know the someone might be a particular fan of Mahir or Thaddea or whatever like you know that person may not be satisfied with one particular book but like to know that eventually they're going to be satisfied eventually everyone's going to come to the place they need to come to and you know once you've finished all the books then there's going to be generations of kids that are just going to um like read all the books all together without a break and so you know straight after each other (laughs) and so you want you want that you know you want to make a legacy here (laughs) not just not just the you know immediate gratification in my head that it's like each individual book as you said but also like I'm looking at the the whole thing as a whole so yeah it's true I think the beauty <laughs> of it letting the characters you know be known sort of over the books um is that it feels like getting to know people in real time like at any yeah. place you go to you, you find your people but then as time goes on you learn more about the other people around you I feel like it's it's just right and handled really well Thank you. That's lovely to hear. <laughs> so, shall we head into the spoiler zone? Let's yes, do it. Let's wait yes, in. <laughs> adequately, um, I'll just I'll count backwards from five, and if you don't want to know any details or spoilers from Hollow Pops, please turn off the podcast in five, four, three, two, one. Everyone dies. <laughs> and then they what a way to end, end it! The next oh, time, what's going to happen in the next <laughs> book? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I don't know which spoiler to talk about first. I feel like I want to say I think it would be a shame for people to know this going into the book, but it's not a major, major spoiler. But still, um, Emmett, <laughs> like all of the, all of. The, Knowing all of that about Morgan's past and, like, I don't know, like, that just really, I was nearly on the verge of tears in the in that last scene when Jeffrey <laughs> is explaining why Morgan loves Emmett, her, yeah. Emmett so much. I nearly lost it. Like, you um, really I didn't had... lose it. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting it because I was so close to the end and I was like, oh, yeah, right, right, right. And then I was like. Oh, that's that's what I was talking about. Touched her punch oh. in the heart and so well set up right from the beginning when she was yeah. having all of those insecurities around um, Hawthorne's family and, like, oh, God, like, just that emotional arc alone is, <laughs> she, yeah, you know. I, the, the funny thing is I wrote that scene when I wrote Nevermore. So that scene, I had it. Oh. Do you remember um, in Nevermore in the scene where uh, – Jupiter and Morrigan are first talking, having a serious conversation at the Hotel Gkalian about yeah. joining the Wondrous Society. And he tells her that he's a witness and he talks about the teapot. Um, originally, mm. he wasn't going to be talking about the teapot. He was going to talk about her, about Emmett, who she had brought with her at that stage. Um, yeah. And he sort of had that scene. Obviously, like I've, I've adjusted that scene and it has much more of an emotional punch. But that was the thing is that I realised early on. And this was even, I can't remember if it was before I sent it to my agent, before I sent it out on submission or before we sent it to 
publishers on submission, but it was one of those two. I decided to get rid of it because I realised actually this is going to have, like I knew it was an important scene and I knew it would have a much more bigger emotional punch um, circa, you know, book three, yeah. um, knowing what is coming up in, in yeah. the book. <laughs> um, ah. so, so I have, like, so that scene is so important to me. And again, like, I'm never sure what's going to land or if things are going to land the way that I hope they will. But, um, you know, even my, like my editors, kind of every editor who's spoken to me about it um, throughout, you know, I've got a few, um, <laughs> they, they've all <laughs> particularly mentioned that scene first, which is really gratifying. Actually, I'm really, I'm really delighted that it kind of had the impact I was hoping it would. I oh, think yeah. it might have been my favourite moment, really. Like oh, it was just beautifully done. <laughs> oh, Thank yeah. you. Just when you think you can't love Mog more. <laughs> or Jupiter for that matter. <laughs> yeah, because I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because sometimes you get that Jupiter is, you know, is very, you know, is all they're always, you know, for Morgan and doing the best for her and stuff, but you don't always, he just feels so like he's, you know, so up Ratchet. and around yeah. and, you know, running around everywhere that, yeah, that really like brought brought it like to such a, um, you know, like quiet moment, which is unusual to sort of get from him. So that was really cool. When you I, get Jupiter's real emotions, it feels really, yeah. it, yeah. it's really powerful. Oh, I'm um, so happy. Thank you. I also absolutely loved the, um, you know, the whole concept of when she finds out about the um, the third school that no one knew about. Um, yeah. And uh, we can talk about how Rook is actually. Um, a rook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is actually. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you even had it. Okay, Sarah, how do you describe it? Or, or Jessica, how do you actually describe how Rook comes into being? Uh, so Rook, we learn um, that she is, you know, we, we've already met Dear, uh, Dulcinea Dearborn and Maris Murgatroyd in book two, who are the same person and they have this kind of physical Jekyll and Hyde situation where they, you know, switch between each other. And then we learn that there is a third person um, who is Rook Rosenfeld, the scholar mistress for the School of Wondrous Arts. And as I said, I never really planned for that. I don't think until I was writing Wondersmith, I never really planned the Dearborn and Murgatroyd thing either. That kind of happened in the writing of that scene and surprised me. So then, yeah, I, I, I didn't realise there was a third one <laughs> until she just arrived, um, which I, I think is quite good because nobody does. Like, Morgan no doesn't there's a third one until she arrives. So, so that was... I was, I've got to say, that was like a joyful writing moment where I was like, oh, cool. I've surprised myself. Hurrah. Um, <laughs> I love, I love Rook. And again, it's that, it's a, it's sort of a, the challenge of getting her individual personality, um, you know, having her separate from Dearborn and, and Murgatroyd and bringing a completely different thing to the table for Morrigan, but also having them kind of close enough that you can see that they're, swimming in the same river you know oh yeah oh yeah and I, I love the idea that you've left it a bit open for maybe maybe more characters maybe more. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> if you can already body you know body shift like smaller taller uglier you know <laughs> all that kind of thing then why why not have like seven people in there it's, it's totally fine um and then uh, you find out there's the whole sub level and not just a sub level but a sub level where you can go through time to recorded time old time and relive Oh, like, the ghostly hours. The ghostly hours. Oh, my God. Brilliant. That was cool. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, just a really kind of useful plot device. I felt like there was so 
the the history of one the wondersmiths and how they're tied up with the wonder society the history of that as i was writing the first couple of books just grew and grew and grew and you kind of get to a point where you think uh, i need a vessel to deliver this like i can't yeah. i can't rely on you know because most people are never more know nothing about it yeah. um and it needs and there's like by necessity it ha- there has to be a lot of mystery surrounding it so really the best way for her to learn about it was to go to the source. So yeah, I think that was that's going to be a very uh, very handy. <laughs> yeah, and then, and, and and I love that she like she doesn't even realize for ages that she's actually witnessing classes that Ezra Squall is actually in. Yeah, that was weird. and I was like, yes, because you can because you never know when you have these kinds of like the with the bad guy character, you never know whether they're like you know, the evil child bad guy from ever or something's happened to them and twisted them and turned them into this into this person. And so you kind of get like that, you know, it opens up, his character opens up, um, you know, so much more when you when you do see that like, oh, okay, so he was actually seemed a pretty normal, pretty normal kid, like as normal as a Wondersmith can be, but, you know, yeah. in comparison to the other, the other Wondersmiths that he's, that he's with. Well, I mean, so. when I think about the villains that I find that I like the most or, or like like reading the most and the villains that I find the most convincing, I mean, who – does anyone – has anyone ever met an evil kid? I haven't. Like, never met an mm. evil kid in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not into the evil kid trope. I'm just yep, – yep. <laughs> um, I – and I just – yeah, I, and again, like I'm trying to not say too much because it's so weird how everything's wrapped up in my head. I sometimes I'm so afraid that I'm going to say something by accident that I think I'm everyone knows. Like, <laughs> that hasn't been written yet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we're like, I'm pretty sure I read the book pretty carefully. I don't remember that in any of the books. Yeah. <laughs> I'm desperate to know what comes next. That let's talk about the ending because it's a, oh, yeah. a fantastic ending. Um, like it's you know cliffhangery without without leaving you what it's not plot cliffhanger it's just character development cliffhanger and it's like um I loved one one part of it that I loved the most is that she still gave Morrigan the choice so she it would have been one thing to have her agree to become Ezra's apprentice to save people and then it's like oh she didn't really have a choice she just did it because it was the right noble good thing to do but you gave her a choice, and and I think like did you did you always know that, or was that something you wrestled with? Um, I no, I kind of I knew that there would come a point where that transaction would happen, um, and I knew that it would be circa the end of Hollowpox. Um, I ha- I guess I had until I started writing it, I hadn't thought too hard about the mechanics of how that would happen, but in the writing of it, I very much knew that she had to like it's a it's a terror it's if if she has no choice a it's boring you know yeah. she's a boy that would make her kind of t- in my mind that makes her a more a boring character if she just has to do it to sacrifice you know like that's interesting in its own way I guess but like to me that would just be the boring choice but also I don't like that dynamic <laughs> you know, like I don't like the I don't really feel great about the dynamic of uh, a kid being forced into an apprentice. Like I, I no. felt like it was very important for both of their characters. It was important for her to have that moment where she realizes she wants it, and it's she's not just doing this because she has to, but she he, she's dipped her toe into 
this future that she has now like she hasn't just kind of witnessed it she's felt it in her bones she's felt it in her in her being in that scene and so she wants it um and also it was important for him to I guess kind of relinquish that power like it was a weird kind of power shift I wanted that that power shift between them he needed to relinquish some of this power and and have that moment of kind of like vulnerability of you you can walk away from this if you want to and that moment where he's wondering if she will walk away from it so yeah, I like yeah. it. Really, really well done. And it makes you want this is a character who has unquestionably laid out all of the things he would do to get what he wants. So you know that yeah. this is a yeah. unquestionably a bad guy. Like he's But then he does a good thing. But he has a moment <laughs> where you're like, oh, maybe you can trust because you thought you could trust the president of um of uh oh my gosh the president went to see president was oh my i can't even this book has so much in it for like three years if we talk about all the things that we're just like what i i think like the as i said earlier like the villains that are interesting to me aren't the ones with simple backstories and they're not the ones that you can pin down to any one particular thing i don't want to be able to pin down school to being 100% bad or 100% good but also i don't want people to think that we're going to you're going to turn around and absolutely love this guy cuz he's yeah, not he's no. terrible he's no. a terrible person he's not good he's he's done lots of terrible things but equally like you know there are, uh, I can't talk about I, this. Well. Oh, all of the adults in these books are in some way, I mean, I hate to use the word problematic, but like, because it sounds like I'm kind of trivializing that, but they, they all have their problems. They all have, their, they're yeah. all gray in some way, even Jupiter. Like I love Jupiter. Yeah. You can tell when I'm writing Jupiter that, that I love him, but like all of the best adult people in my life as a kid, he's not without his problems like he's not a great role model he's borderline neglectful (laughs) and he's he is an adult who he he doesn't just exist for morrigan like he doesn't exist to prop up her a plot (laughs) you know (laughs) he he is an adult with his own kind of things going on and he can't always be the perfect person um but yeah I, i guess i my point is like i i hope that all of those kind of layers are built into like I did, I never wanted to write a story where you feel like the adults aren't important or the adults don't have lives of their own. Because when I was a kid, I just was very aware of the fact that all of these adults had their own things going on, and I felt important at times, but I wasn't number one constantly. You know. Yeah, and it's, I think it's important for kids to have stories like that as well, because it's a reflection of the real world. And if you only yeah. ever write stories where the kids are in charge of everything, it's not. <laughs> not always going to ring true for the the readers (laughs) yeah exactly right like adults are going to throw stones in your path like they're gonna they're gonna put things in the way and sometimes the thing in the way is them being really aggravating (laughs) (laughs) a good lesson for all children to learn (laughs) well um i hate to say it but we've, we've kind of run out of time so we might have to wrap things up even though i could happily keep talking to you about in hopes that you might as well, like, accidentally slip a detail. <laughs> I'm, gonna slip <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like sitting on the edge of my seat. It's a danger zone. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of this series. I, I love it. I can't wait for the next one. And um, 
Thank you so, so much for coming to talk to us. Thank you, as always. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved it. And podcast listeners, you can get you can get Holopox and all of the previous books in the Nevermore series online at Booktopia or from your local bookstore or from your library. Just wherever, get it and read it because they're super fun. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.